It's just after 8 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada style pub with three locations one on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non invasive scan today. For peace of mind, visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. Laborers Union 872, the builders of Allegiant Stadium and the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the Aviators. Promodirect.com. Use K-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. Promodirect.com. And by William Hill Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us. So get ready, because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. now. All right, it is a Fat Tuesday. And if you're not watching AEW Dynamite on TBS, you're missing out. Mark Hoke has informed me, forget the Golden Knights. Who cares about Major League Playoffs? NBA opening night, what is that? AEW Dynamite on TBS, all about professional wrestling, courtesy of Mr. Mark Hoke. That's right. It's a special night tonight, a special audition. And, of course, Mark Hoke drowning his sorrows from his North Dakota State Bison going down to the new number one FCS team, the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Wow, it's just awesome. Uh, Hopefully uh, you're not able to hear uh, what's coming from the terrarium over there or read the sign language that's about to be coming through there. Oh, Mark Hoke in rare form last night with Fish Fane on the Monday night SportsX Radio edition of Fish Tank. Trust the process. And if you trusted the process, his Sixers also went down tonight on the opening night of NBA basketball. On the bright side, the Phillies won, but he's not a Phillies fan. He's an Orioles fan. But on the other bright side, his Flyers are 3-0. and Chris Wynn is in studio. Chris had to come in just to talk about that. See Wynn, of course, Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. Where are we? We're at the PSBRlaw.com studios right here in Las Vegas. Over $3.5 billion in verdicts and settlements the last decade for their clients. Success rate 99%. Strength by your side. The relentless pursuit of justice. Brian Panish. He is a senior partner. Panache Boyle Ravaputi. PSBRlaw.com. May not need him now. May need him in the future. So jot the number down. 702, you got down. 830-9353-830-9353-830-9353. See win on a rare Tuesday night off. KTO. Always great to join you. Talk about uh, all the action going on, my friend. We look up. We've got the three TVs going here live in studio at KDWN from from NBA basketball to NHL action across the board. And as you pointed out, and we're going to dive into it, a lot of NFL action over the weekend. That was a, a, a ton of fun to check out. And of course, uh, you know, hey, we had also Major League Baseball playoffs in full swing. That we'll be diving into also throughout the rest of the show. There you go. We'll start with that right now as we'll start with the Yankees forced to a day to where they could not play yesterday in New York. But it worked out good for them because instead of throwing Tyon, 
they're a Jamison Tyon who got racked in one inning of relief, didn't even get anybody out. So I shouldn't even say one inning. He got <laughs> in there for an inning, but never got anybody out, gave up a couple runs. He was supposed to start yesterday, but the rain worked to their advantage. And they end up having to throw Nestor Cortez. Well, they didn't have to, but they chose to throw Nestor Cortez. He pitched fairly well. Yankees getting three runs in the bottom of the first on a three-run jack by Giancarlo Stanton after a walk and a hit by pitch. And uh, next thing you know, Bronx Bombers up 3 nothing. Mr. Judge follows in the second inning with a solo shot. 4 nothing Yankees. They cruise to a 5-1 win if you had the under in all of those games or all of the Cleveland Guardians games in the postseason, then you made money on every single game going under, Chris. Have to give the Bronx Bombers credit where credit is due, right, KT? They were had their backs against the wall with the Cleveland Guardians taking the lead in this series and come back to win two straight in this one. You talked about Cortez on the bump for the Yankees. Yes, he pitched five innings, gave up one run, had a couple of Ks, was suitable enough. And then, of course, the uh, bats were able to kind of power things for the Yankees to get it done against Cleveland tonight. So a small celebration, although they got the champagne out. And, you know, kind of, you know, the Yankees, because they're expected to win that series. Mm -hmm. So after the rain out, I'm almost like thinking if it was George Steinbrenner still alive, there's no champagne. There's no time for that. Why? Because we got to jump on a plane and head right to H-Town. We play the Astros in a best of seven starting tomorrow, right? So all about getting to the series not celebrating getting to the championship series of the American League. What is that? That means nothing. You lost five out of six to the Houston Astros. I'm dialed in. I'd be focused kind of like your old guy from the Detroit Lions, Barry Sanders. Gives the ball right to the official. I'll be back. No problem. I've been here before, and I'll be back. Yankees should have acted like that, and boom, forget celebrating. You don't have time for that crap. Get together, get on all, be all business like, get to Houston and avenge losing five out of six in the regular season. See win. I'm telling you, it was the old man who I despise, but I respect it, George Steinbrenner. I think that's the route they go. Instead, it's the son and Hank. Really, they don't listen to Hank. So, you know, they're just hoping that Yankee fans are just hoping we can re sign Judge to a long term mm-hmm. deal. We'll wait and see. But your take as far as that, because you don't have any margin for error, especially going against your guy, Verlander, who comes off getting shelled in a game yeah. they bailed him out. Yeah, no question, given the unique circumstances, right, surrounding the end of this Cleveland-New York series, I think it would be a muted celebration, right, if you're the New York Yankees, especially given the expectations that this club has had all season long. They're expected to be one of the teams that could possibly come out of the American League and hit hit the fall classic. So, yeah, there's no question about it that it would make sense, right, KT? It would make absolute sense that it would be all business. Hey, you know, you can you can you can pop maybe maybe a glass of bubbly. You can celebrate, you know, whack back a cold one maybe at the end of the game. But that being said, it's it should be all business for New York as they head to Houston, given the quick turnaround when you're talking about less than 24 hours where you're going to be out there playing in game one of the American League Championship Series against a quality opponent that is the Houston Astros. All right, do not forget SportsX Radio. We come at you Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 p.m. And if you miss any part of the show, archives go up on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Facebook by 11 o'clock Pacific time. Now, on Monday, sometimes I'm a little later because I go to bed early because I drive back in from Phoenix. And I got to tell you, the Monday night shows, I'm able to hear them back while I'm driving in. Outstanding. The last couple Mondays, I've been listening to the entire show. Mark Hoke, he's, I'll tell you what, for the guy that's working, it seems like, all the time, I don't know how he stays up on all the sports that he does, but he does an outstanding job. And him and Fish Fane in the fish tank uh, on Monday nights. Uh, Pretty solid job and some great analogy 
and prognostication as far as the association last night and hour number two by the guys. But they covered pretty much everything. Of course, now it's AEW Dynamite Special Edition on Tuesday. So, Mark Hone, we uh, hope we can't even get his attention. And I'm sure he'll catch you up on all of that on The Mark Hoke Show, Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Chris, if you like professional wrestling, you'll love The Mark Hoke Show. Yeah, and props to Fish and Mark for taking my serial texting, right? Because I listen to the show live on Mondays, and I'm always hitting them up with my opinions, and I'm sure it's absolutely unsolicited, right? Yet I still like to uh, chime in every once in a while, and sometimes they'll actually uh, respond and uh, and, and, and act act like they care, KT, about uh, my opinions on Monday nights. All right, so just so you know, Mark, just tell me he totally ignores you. I, I 100%. And that's look. I get it. That's fine. They got they got a work to do. They got it. They, you know, hey, they got a show to I'm run. Sure, I'm sure show, you're able gotta, to distract. They have, they have to. Andrew they have Fish to handle Fane. their business. It's easy to distract fish. Trust me. But Hoke, yeah, tunnel he's, vision, he's, tunnel vision, he's, and he sees he's got his eye wind. on the prize, right, Ken? He that's sees, what he does. See, he sees sea wind pop up on the taxi. He's like, exactly. <laughs> There's no need to answer that. That's for sure. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, Twenty-three, twenty-two. Warriors mm-hmm. lead the Lakers late first quarter. And Warriors going off a seven-point favorite. They were six, went up to seven. Uh, Boston knocked off Philly 126-117. Game much closer than that. Uh, Neither altercation between Joel Embiid and Marcus Smart didn't transpire into much. Uh, right Big now, game from Tatum and Brown, right, KT? As always. I mean, game. if the Celtics win, you can expect both those guys usually to come up big. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights had a 2 nothing lead after one, got a, a gift goal on a screen, mm-hmm. uh, but then two power play goals from the Calgary Flames. They had five or six power plays in the second period, and uh, right now the Kings have just tied up, or I'm sorry, Nashville has just taken a 3-1 lead on the Kings. Mm-hmm. That's the other game that we have here. But there was another baseball game tonight. Today And, of course, not as much attention being paid to the National League Championship Series. Hard to say that. National League Championship Series. The number five and six teams get in to the finals. Safe to say it was a surprise, right, Ken Thompson? Unbelievable. That these the two Padres squads are there. At home. Yeah. Uh, can the Padre fans even imagine that they're hosting the NL Championship Series? So they put on the bump today a pretty solid pitcher in you, Darvish, who does real well unless he's facing the Dodgers, but even pitched okay in that one game, uh, good enough to keep him in the game. And then Philadelphia with Zach Wheeler, the former Met, as Larry Ragusa will tell me, the former Giant. That's where he started out with San Francisco, who basically got nothing for him, sent him to the Mets. And the Mets are so busy signing all these other pitchers, they let Wheeler slip away to Philly. And, of course, what does he do today? Seven innings, strikes out eight, gives up one hit. That's all the Padres ended up with was one hit. They did get the tying run to the plate in the bottom of the ninth inning, but Machado couldn't do anything. So, uh, Soto. Soto, Soto, had a, yeah, Soto had a walk, yeah. and uh, that was it. I mean, nice defensive play by Cronenworth in the first inning off Bryce Harper, but Bryce Harper got an opposite field shot uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, that he didn't even think was out. Mm-hmm. He was kind of, you know, flipped the bat and, and in disgust because he thought he just missed it. And the ball ended up making it into the second row there in left field. And then the monster shot of monster shots, supposedly the furthest hit home run uh, as far as since they've been keeping track, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe the second, second, second furthest, uh, 488 feet off the bat of Schwarber, upper deck at Petco. And I was listening to the Padre broadcast coming in, and they said they had never seen a ball hit. There had never been a ball hit there in regular season. There were a couple in batting practice, but not even in the home run derby back in 2016 did anybody get one into the upper deck. But Schwarber jacked it. You'll see it on Sports Center. I mean, Soto in right field never even moved. Yeah. Just stood there. 
and props to the Philadelphia Phillies offensive players that made a, that were a factor in this game. But make no mistake about it, KT, and I know all about this being a Detroit Tiger fan of of our pitchers going to other teams and being successful. This was all about Zach Wheeler, my friend. And, of course, he's you know former New York Met, Zach Wheeler, former Las Vegas 51, by the way. Also, outstanding game from Zach Wheeler. Seven innings pitched, no runs, eight Ks, one walk. And he was absolutely the key, Ken Thompson, to uh, Philadelphia getting this victory in game one of the NLCS. All right, so real quick to the Rich Badge and Finley Toyota out-of-town scoreboard. Celtics 126-117. Game flies over the 216.5. Celtics cover the three, was two, went up to three. And uh, that's where that game ended. After the first quarter, Warriors up 25-22. Minus 7.5 was the closing number at the Westgate. 223.5, the total will keep you abreast of that game. We gave you the Padres losing at home to the Phils. Game 1, Game 2 tomorrow. We'll get to those lines in just a sec. 5-1 Yankees behind Cortez. They got to Savale early, who only pitched one-third of an inning. Gave up that three-run jack to Stanton. And that was pretty much the end of his afternoon in the NHL. Vancouver blows a 2-0 lead. They lose at Columbus 4-3. Boston and Ottawa. Ottawa wins it 7-5. Wild game. Helps your grand salami if you're going over. And when we talk about grand salamis in different sports, all the games must be played in their entirety on that specific night. So baseball comes into play a little bit more because you've got to worry about the weather. But in hockey, as long as they get all the games in, they'll give you a total. And you can either go over or under that total. That's for all the games. Total amount of goals to be scored in all the games. Chicago Bill's wife, Joe, is outstanding, as Joanne does a great job as far as the old Grand Salami. So 7-5, uh, to five, Ottawa over Boston. So because that total was 6 in that game, because you're getting double that total, if you had the over, that's going to help you on pace to get the over on the Grand Salami. 7-5, Ottawa is a minus-130 favorite at home. And, of course, the game flies over the total. Jersey spotted Anaheim a 2 nothing lead at home in the Garden State. Devils 4 unanswered to end the game. That total was 6.5, so the game stays under. 4-2 to the final. Devils get past the the Ducks. 3-2 Philly with the last three goals. Stamkos got a couple power play goals, and then Philly put together three straight goals, including Cates getting the game winner unassisted. The Flyers are 3-0. A shock, a surprise. 3-2 the final as they beat Tampa Bay. You talked about the wackiness, right, of that Ottawa a Bruins game. Usually when the game's that high scoring, right, KT, you'll get uh, multiple goal, score, uh, goal scorers that have multiple goals. Not the case. Twelve different Bruins and Senators scored in that hockey game. So another wacky stat that you brought up that was a little bit crazy about that game. See, I love tidbits like that, man. I love yeah. it. Like on the Friday football fiasco, Brad Powers will come up with some <laughs> unbelievable stat, and you're like, what? It's like, Mark Hoke, I'll listen to him. Come up with some stat from some game or or mm-hmm. something that you, you had no clue unless you you know, either follow those teams you know, closely or you listen to the broadcast. And that's why I like going back and listening to a lot of broadcasts and uh, you know, taping games because a lot of times you're going to find out stuff that you had no clue. And if you didn't watch that or hear that, you're not going to know that. Well, KT, that's what hosts like I do. Look, I'm not a professional handicapper, right? I'm just the average Joe out here that's uh, you know talking smack a little bit on the radio. I'm not some professional guy, but yeah, but you're I'll, professional. I'll offer, I'll offer a little bit of tidbits here and there, like you just pointed out. That yeah. uh, that'll be useful. You were as professional as you've ever been as a sharp on Sunday, eight and two, killing it, my friend. Eight and two, uh, Chris just destroying it. The unbelievable day for C Win out you, there. Can you do I'm me referring mark, to myself do a third mark person a again. favor now? If yes. you do me. My- Quit betting. <laughs> this way we know on your last big day at the NFL, you go, you went 80%, 8 and 2, and you're good. And SportsX Radio Nation out there, uh, a little t- uh, inside uh, info as far as uh, before the show. KT is like, see, win. 
Make sure you let me know who you're taking next week, baby, so I can do a little opposite action. And you might, and you're probably you're probably in the right by saying that. Ah, uh, you know me and Hoke are loading up, and Hoke doesn't go yes. to the window too often. But he heard Chris win one eight and two, and he's like. Amanda's not getting allowance this month. I'm using that money to double it for next month. Uh, we're going to be into it. Uh, Tampa Bay and Philly, though. 3-2. Flyers get the win. That game stays under the total of six. Islanders, 5-2. Uh, that game was tied at two, but they scored the last three against the San Jose Sharks and win that game by a score of 5-2. to two. Meanwhile, 2-2. Two to two, Calgary and Vegas, 12-09 to go third period. 3-1. to one, Buffalo leading at Edmonton. The Sabres playing good hockey out of the gate. Edmonton minus 210. McDavid and the guys better get it going. That total was seven, but three to one. Only 916 left in the third period up there in Alberta. And Nashville, that 3 1 lead after two over the LA Kings, C win. And two of the better teams in the Eastern Conference to come out of the gate, my friend. And that uh, our, our fans are sitting right here in the studio right now. I'm talking about Ken Thompson's Rangers and my Detroit Red Wings playing pretty solid coming out of the gate, right? So Flyers for Hoke 3 0. Rangers three and one, and your Red yeah. Wings two zero oh and one. Yeah, we eight, one lost and one a tough between one last us. Night. Yep, where uh, Dylan Larkin had and, an unbelievable play, by the way. The and I game. actually won against the Rangers after they had won their first two games because mm-hmm. then they were in Winnipeg and it was Winnipeg's opener. And I'm like, the Rangers just got a road win; they're sitting fat and happy. I go and Winnipeg blitzed them four to one, so I made some money. Sometimes you can follow your team and get a feel. Like I'm sure Mark will have a feel as far as the Flyers yeah. off to this three and zero start. He'll find the right game to go against his team and make some money. Uh, meanwhile, Philly and the Padres game two is tomorrow afternoon. Aaron Nola, Blake Snell. Let me get Hoke to jump in here. I know he's watching wrestling. Mm-hmm. It is Blake <laughs> Snell minus one eighteen. Total is six and a half. All right, so see when I'll start with you in this game. Blake Snell minus 118, total six and a half, shaded to the over at Petco. Padres trailing one game to none, pretty much a must win. You don't want to go down 0-2 and have to go to the city of brotherly love because the odds of you winning there, you know, going to be tough. So especially Philly's starting to hit the ball, and their power guys are hitting, even when they're making out Schwarber and Harper, they're hitting the ball hard, and they're getting other guys that are stepping in. Who do you like tomorrow? Yeah, my initial reaction, obviously, is that you would expect the Padres, from an offensive standpoint, to have a bounce-back type of game. When you have that much offensive talent that they do in that lineup, it's hard to believe that a one-hit shutout like tonight is something that's going to be the norm. Doesn't I just can't believe that's going to be the case. And then on the, on the other side of it, of course, you've got Blake Snell also on the hill for the San Diego Padres, one of the best left-handers in the game. And so I would expect, fully expect, and I think there's a reason, there's a method to the madness that makes a ton of sense as to why they're minus 18 in this matchup. It's because you've got Snell on the hill, and I think there's an expectation that the, that the Friars should have some offensive production in game two. All right, Mark Hoke, what about your take? Because Aaron Nola, to me, is pitching as well now as he has all season long. I like the guy that I'm getting right now and I think there's less pressure on him because the Phils won that opening game and they have that 1-0 lead they know they're going home so I think he's going to be able to pitch a little bit more freely so to speak I'm going to be on Philadelphia with plus money where are you I would I'm thinking take the under in this game I I don't know if I'd really want to be betting who's going to win it Um, I was completely wrong about negating Philadelphia's power because it ended up that the two pitches got knocked out of the park by the Phillies and won the game. But I think the safe bet is the under. I I don't know who's going to win this game, Ken. I would lean towards San Diego, but this smells like a 2-1-3-2 kind of game to me. Yeah, it's daytime, of course. Uh, but it's yeah. early enough, Chris, that 
first off, the ball will carry a little bit better in San Diego in the day because you're not going to have the shadows unless the game goes extra innings. You're going to start at 135 Pacific. Those shadows really don't start creeping in till about 5 o'clock. So unless you have a long game, you know, you won't have to worry about the shadows, I don't think, coming into play over there at Petco. Uh, but I'm going to take Philly on a plus price. And uh, yeah, I, I agree with Mark that I think it probably will be a low-scoring game. But because it is a day game, I'm going to stay away from the total. And I'm just going to bet on the Phillies tomorrow. Where are you? Are you going to play the game at all? Yeah, I'm definitely playing the game. I'm going to take the Padres in this one. And I just think that when it, when it comes to the likes of Soto and Profar and Will Myers and Cronenworth and these guys, I just think there's going to be a bounce-back factor that comes into play from an offensive standpoint. I expect them. Uh, I, I would concur with both you guys that I don't think it's going to be one of those 7-4 to four type of games. It's going to be one of those 4-1, possibly 3-1 type of ball games. But I just think that uh, I'm, I'm leaning towards the players from San Diego having that difference-making, uh, the, the, diff- the difference-making run-scoring ability in this game, too, with uh, essentially their backs against the wall. All right, so Jamison Tyon, I remember when he was starting out with the Pirates, and this guy came up, a young stud, and I said, oh, this guy's going to be a pretty good pitcher. He's kind of struggled with the Yankees on off off and on and you know he's had some good games but like I said uh not consistent he will start tomorrow in the game against Justin Verlander and we know Verlander got lit up like a pinball machine in his last outing but again Houston found a way to win that game on the walk-off three-run jack by Alvarez so minus 186 at the Westgate seven the total shaded to the under a little bit so tie on against Verlander Astros sitting there waiting I mean to me if I'm the Astros I'm careful about pitching to Aaron Judge. He has a couple home runs now in the playoffs of late, so you want to be careful with him. But I'm the same way. If I'm the Yankees, I'm going to be real careful about pitching to Alvarez. Look, I know Altuve. I know Bregman. I know they've got hitters. But I just, the way Alvarez hits the ball, I mean, that guy, even a a bad swing from him is going out at that band box over there at Minute Maid. So I got to be real careful. If I were going to play this game, I would lay the 186 with Houston. I don't like to lay that type of money. I do have the Yankees to win the series at 6-1. to So I I feel like maybe I'll put something on Houston to kind of hedge my bet. I only have a nickel on the Yankees, but 6-1 to would get me three grand back. So maybe I come in and uh, look at about, I don't know, somewhere in the vicinity of three 70, whatever it is, 372 uh, to win 200 on the Yankees, get some of that money back. If I, I'm sorry, on Houston, if uh, Houston loses, then I feel comfortable that the Yankees are going to have a good chance to win that series. And with that 1-0 lead, but beating Verlander, that would be a major statement and really give them some confidence to a team they dropped five out of six to and probably should have lost all six of those games during the regular season. You take a look at the factors in this series and what could come into play. You obviously talked about uh, the traveling from New York, obviously, to to Houston in the quick turnaround here, less than 24 hours where you're playing a game. I don't think that's coming into play. I don't, when it comes to the Yankees, right? As far as Aaron judge, uh, essentially snapping out of, you know, the little funk that he was in and played pretty well last couple of games. I don't think that's going to be a factor. You know, it's going to be a factor KT 
is going to be Jose Altuve, Altuve, right? This is some. This is a guy who's essentially uh, started off the the playoffs 0 for 16. He was non-existent in that playoff series against the Seattle Mariners, and this is a guy who has been a major factor for the Astros in the you know what they've been in six straight American League championship series. Uh, 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 actually, series and the guy's been unbelievable when it comes to being a uh, a, a big time factor for this Astros team in the postseason. So how how Altuve goes, in my opinion, is going to be how how well the Astros perform in this series against the Yankees, and that to me is 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 the end all be all when when I try to uh, kind of break down what's going to happen here between the Yankees and the Astros. And of course, the uh, Yankees uh, they were logging, of course, to uh, see if there was an some type of way that they could get some type of padding inside all the trash cans there in Houston (laughs) to make sure that Altuve would not be able to hear the signal or to be wired in. Because that was he was as good as any informant of all times up until he started coming around third base and everybody wanted to grab at him for that big jack that he had against the Dodgers. But we saw him also come up big against the Yankees. And, uh, you know, I would think that, you know what, there's a little karma to be paid back for old Bregman and Altuve. Now, sure, Correa and some of the other guys, Springer, they bailed, and they're gone, and even uh, uh, the uh, manager, uh, Joey Cora, uh, he's over there in Boston. I get it. We don't forget, though. People that follow Spygate and all that crap, we don't forget. So Astros, look, I get it, Verlander, you're a Detroit Tiger guy, so you guys, because you suck so bad, you have to live through that guy that gave his heart and soul to Detroit. But he got there, and he was like, God, I I know this is wrong, but I'm the new guy. Like, I want to spill the beans, but I can't. I'll take the ring, right? So as my dad called it, lying by omission. And when he knew something was wrong in the house in Jersey when I grew up, we'd all, he'd line up all the kids. And I, I don't know. I don't know who did. I don't. So he, so when he punished the one that he found out did it, he punished them all because he said, I, you knew, you knew who did it. You didn't say anything. You knew who did it. You're all, the old man was brutal, man. It was like kangaroo court and the old man, what he said went, but that's the way I feel with Verlander. Basically he knew what happened. He didn't spill the beans. I get it. You're the new guy. But they knew, and I think karma is going to come back. So as much as the Yankees are going to be at a disadvantage for just getting to that championship series today, now having to fly to Houston, I'm hoping karma bites the Astros exactly where I want them to bite in the Astros. Yeah. I think it's fair to say, right, KT, that there still is kind of uh, an aura of, uh, of, of just a putrid smell surrounding the Houston Astros in Major League Baseball, right? It's still there, even though it's, it's, it's been a matter of a handful of years now since all that stuff took place, right? You have a new regime there. You have a new, a new manager, obviously, and Dusty Baker is now taking over as a manager there. But there still is, there, there still is an aura out there that people are disgusted by these Astros, and it hasn't gone away completely yet. And so, therefore, but that being said, this is an Astros team. And you look at that lineup, you're talking about one of the deeper lineups in all of baseball, right, from an offensive standpoint. They're going to be absolutely formidable. And so this is not going to be any cakewalk by any stretch of the imagination for the New York Yankees in this series. So uh, it adds a lot of intrigue, as you brought up. Of course, the history between these two teams, the very recent history between these two teams since they've been American League counterparts. 
is intriguing for baseball fans, and we'll see how it all plays out. And uh, and it all, it all starts out uh, with the first pitch of Game One tomorrow down in Houston. All right, so Houston, a big favorite in this series. Chris, would you lay it? I know they're minus one ninety five tomorrow. They're better than two to one to win the series. Would you lay it with Houston to win the series, or would you take a plus price on a Yankee team? That although they don't get a lot of hits, a lot of the hits they do get go out of the ballpark. I'm I'm absolutely laying it with the Houston Astros in this series. I just think they're the better the better ball club, and the circumstances surrounding the Yankees took took that little hit there. Obviously against Cleveland in the last series where they were up against the wall, and that that can take. I think it's going to take just enough just enough out of the New York Yankees where I don't think they're going to be able to sustain that against the likes of a, a club like the Astros. So I think that Houston's going to be, end up moving on. All right. So we get the top two seeds, Mark Hoke in the American league in the national league, of course, the lowest two seeds, uh, Mark, your take on the series. Do you think the Yankees have a chance? Would you take them as a plus two to one underdog? Would you lay a little better than two to one on the Astros or do you just stay away from the series? The Astros are winning this in six, maybe five. I just, I just think the, the Astros are a way better team. I really do. I think their pitching's better. I think their hitting's more consistent. I, I just cannot see. I mean, of course, the Yankees could win, you know, because they're Satan's team. They might do a sacrifice or something like that. But otherwise, no. The Astros are going to win this series. Yeah, so. of course. Now you say that they're gonna pull. They're gonna pull a, a Serrano from uh, Major League and get a bucket of uh, KFC. But, but he was a positive. Joe Boo was a positive figure. But in here's baseball, the ba- here's the bad thing. Well, I'll let you guys know because I'll be there. I don't know if you guys will make it there. <laughs> yeah. You guys could be taking that elevator down with the Jersey Devil. But when I do get up there hey. to the pearly gates, well, I'll do what I can for you guys if I precede you there. Uh, you you know, got her back, don't you? I but think my you worst, do. My so. worst, my worst wow. nightmare is that Morgan Freeman's going to be up there wearing that Yankee cap and from that movie. I'm just like, wait, God can't really be a Yankee fan, can he? We'll find out. If they beat the Astros, I'm almost convinced. Mark pulled that out, right? The sacrifice, so I had to toss that in there. A little, uh, little major league clip there. Well, that's why I tossed so. in the Jersey Devil. That's one of the best ESPN commercials yeah. of all time. Mm-hmm. It's just the best where the guy's getting in the elevator, and he just says, hey, to the Jersey Devil. He goes, going up? And the Jersey Devil shakes his head no. The guy jumps out of the elevator so fast thinking, I'm not going down with the Jersey Devil because I may not be coming back up. You brought up uh, your home state team there, the Devils. Obviously, you're talking NHL, right, KT? The yep. Golden Knights now trail 3-2. The the uh, Calgary Flames in the third period got the go-ahead goal, so we'll see if that uh, that stands. A battle of two unbeatens in the Pacific, and the Knights, of course, had that 2 nothing lead after one. Mm-hmm. But again, a second period that was shaky where they gave up a ton of penalty uh, minutes there power play minutes, I should yeah. say, to the Calgary Flames. Flames tied it at two, and now it is three to two. Uh, by the way, did you know that Mark Stone's brother plays for Calgary? Michael I Stone? I did not know that. Michael no. Stone has an assist tonight. I didn't even know he had a brother, which ah, is kind of crazy. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So you learn something new every night if you listen to SportsX Radio. See when You're talking about my tidbits, Ken Thompson. That's You've right. got a few of them yourself, bro, the zingers that you toss out there that are uh, relevant. All right, we're going to take our first break, pay some bills. But before we do, if you fall in that demographic, 40 to 72, you know very well that KT harps and gets on you and says, come on, man, just Take the time, jot the number down, and then make that call. Get that free educational consultation. Talking about the Preventative Diagnostic Center, Dr. John Pearson Company. They've been doing it for a while here in the Vegas Valley. 
And we have the only scanner of its kind in the region because your early detection before signs and symptoms of more than two dozen ailments like heart disease, lung disease, cancer. All these things come into play. It is the preventative diagnostic center. It is not 100% foolproof, but they're very accurate. And their stats are unbelievable. So I heard that commercial years ago and I said, man, you know what? I'm just thinking I could have that ticker to where it could be that Widowmaker. And I need to do something just for peace of mind. So I'm going to set it up, and I'm going to go check out my heart. I checked it out. Didn't have any clogging in the arteries. How good did that make me feel? My wife, Christina, is a cancer survivor. Her cancer, uh, ovarian cancer, was gone. And then after we went to uh, PDC, we found out that that was gone as well uh, a couple years later after she had uh, gone into remission, which was great news. And so you can get that peace of mind from the Preventative Diagnostic Center. Schedule that free educational consultation. Give them a call. You know the 702 already for Vegas. 534-7900. You let them know Ken Thompson SportsX Radio sent you, and you get that scan. I'm telling you, a couple days later, you get a detailed report from a board-certified radiologist. There is no better feeling than finding out you got that clean bill of health. Now, worst-case scenario, you got something starting up in some of your organs or one of your organs, and then you take care of it. You address it right away. It gives you a jump on something that could be detrimental if you wait and get blindsided by it later on down the line. Heart CT scan and calcium score special continues to run 125 for a $600 value. Your significant other? Absolutely free. So that means a $1,200 value total of $125. Get the heart checked out when you're in there. Find out how you can get all your organs checked out. It is the Preventative Diagnostic Center, and you can check it out, pdcenterlv.com. The scanner's right there. Leave a message. They'll get back to you uh, by tomorrow. I know they get a lot of messages, so they'll get back to you ASAP and set it up. If you're coming into town, into Vegas, set that up around your trip. Go down there, get that peace of mind. Worst case scenario, you lose some money while you're here. But, hey, you find out you got a clean bill of health. Or, like I said, worst case scenario, you get a jump on something that maybe down the line would be detrimental. 534-7900-534-7900. Ken Thompson, Chris Wynn, Mark Hoke, PSBR Law Studios in Vegas on a fat Tuesday. SportsX Radio 101.5 FM 720 AM KDWN. We'll be right back. Lake and Palmer did it as well, but Henry Mancini and my dad was a big time Henry Mancini fan. We'd always hear all different music. Dad with his turntable out and the record players going all the the Ray Charles, the Camelot, uh, Man of La Mancha. I mean, all this different stuff. I mean, of course, Sinatra, uh, dad being Brooklyn guy, but Jersey, you know, Sinatra, we lived in Jersey and uh, all these different, and Benny Goodman, the big band, Lionel Hampton, all these different musicians growing up and there's something about that Peter Gunn theme, Henry Mancini doing it, 
and it brought me back to my days of the old man. He didn't watch a lot of cartoons, but there was two cartoons that he really liked. He liked Top Cat, and he loved Pink Panther. And Pink Panther, of course, was the coolest, man. And that Henry Mancini theme, the Pink Panther theme, love that. See, Wynn, go back to your childhood days. You're a little younger than me. Yeah. Give me two of your favorite cartoons. Two of my favorite cartoons. I was a huge Deputy Dog fan. That was my number one cartoon that I was a huge fan of. And then, uh, wow, I got I to gotta say, it's, it's probably Peanuts. It's, it's Peanuts. The Peanuts, uh, the combination Charlie of Brown. Uh, Charlie okay. Brown was like, I was huge with that, too, so... Those are the two big ones. Also, uh, number three, I would give a third one too. The Jetsons. I was a huge Jetsons guy. Jetsons were cool. That wasn't really a Saturday morning cartoon because because a lot of the young kids these days don't understand that Saturday mornings was cartoons that back was back in our day. Yeah, yeah about and, eight uh, o'clock in the morning till yeah. noon. Or actually, Fat Albert and the Gang was the latest cartoon. I think that started it was. like twelve thirty. Uh, it started yeah. like around yep, right around noon. Right. Was Fat yep. Albert, but. Yeah, Deputy Dog, I was just a massive fan. Okay, so during the day, though, after school, you'd get home, and you'd have, like, Casper the Friendly Ghost, and Joe Iolo, which was one of the uh, inventors of Casper the Friendly Ghost and Felix the Cat, Mm -hmm. his granddaughters, uh, Jeannie and Kathy Garish, went to our elementary school and middle school and high school and all that. And uh, But there was nothing better, and I think Mark Hoke will weigh in on this, after school, nothing better... And Bugs Bunny. I mean, I feel bad for the kids that didn't grow up with like, I mean, the Roadrunner and Coyote, the Wiley Coyote. Wiley Coyote is one of my favorites. But Mark Hoke, was there anything better than Bugs Bunny? I mean, Elmer Fudd, Daffy Duck, all the characters brought in. There's just something about growing up with Bugs Bunny. Looney Tunes was awesome. The best. Man, I but I, I did like seeing Wiley Coyote get beat up. <laughs> I mean, I come on. You know, and, and eventually, even as a kid... My my heart went out to the genius as he found ways to get thrown off the cliff or blown up or, you know, hit by a train. He single-handedly kept Acme in business. He did. Remember, everything he got was no from Acme. No question about now, it. Look, yeah. he was so ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. I mean, all this stuff that you see everybody getting delivered every day, that was it. He was always getting packages from Acme. He had the black ca- black credit card from them. Did you know that? Yeah, wow, I didn't yeah. even notice. There you go. Yeah. And the best one, though... Well, one of the best ones was when that that little uh, house there that he had where he was getting the dynamite out and everything, and all of a sudden it ended up in the middle of the tracks, and all of a sudden he hears the you know, the, the train, and he's blowing its horn and everything, and he looks, and the train's coming right at him, and that, that little hut there is in the middle of the tracks, and he just pulls the shade down. That's <laughs> just the greatest. I, the, the, the train ones were very vicious. Because I mean, you know, how do you expect a train to be coming through and you just painted a, a, a mountain? I mean, that that's got to break your heart. It really, ha- it really does. He came close one time. Do you remember that? When he had the robot, he built the giant robot, and the robot had caught the Roadrunner, but the uh, Kablooey. And yeah, yeah. bear yeah. with us, our audience that is under thirty-five years old that has no idea or no, no audience under thirty-five. Yeah. Here's what I want you to do: you got okay. your little cell phone. Oh, absolutely, they do. You got your little cell yeah. phone. Go on your little YouTube <laughs> app. Yep, and start loading up on your Looney Tunes right mm-hmm. now. I was just watching some Foghorn Leghorn the other day. Great stuff, outstanding. There too. With the, yes, with the, the little kid when he was trying to get the hand chicken hawk. No, not the no, not, no, the, not the chicken, the chicken hawk. hawk. The 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 kid that he was trying to that was the daughter of the widowed hen, who is the little genius. You know, like he made 
he was showing how to make a paper airplane, and then he's the kid starts being like, "No, no, that's not how you do it, son!" And he throws it up in the air, and it shoots the other one down, and it bursts into flames. There's there's Great three stuff. there's three can't miss Bugs Bunnies too. The one with the monster, where uh, the, the, he ends up giving him a, a manicure and a hair a hairdo and all that. Uh, that's a classic. You're such a fascinating monster. Right, there you go. Yeah. Right, and then you have the Easter egg one. Where you've got, I want an Easter egg, I want an Easter egg. And, and this Easter bunny, Con's, he's all sad and crying, and Con's Bugs Bunny into delivering the Easter eggs. And that's a classic. Elmer Fudd comes into it. And uh, then there's there's another really good one. The, uh, gr- the greatest, look, the greatest one? Looney Tunes cartoon okay. is Wabbit Season. Yeah, that is good. With the, when, let's, yeah, let's, let's do Wabbit Season. Are you ready? Let's Wabbit. Do- you start. I can't. I don't, I, I don't know what the season, duck no, season, rabbit season. season. I'm duck in the dark season. about what what quote you're going to use right here. Well, I was just going to description, and then, and then Bugsy tricks him and goes, "Duck season, fire!" Yeah, exactly. So I mean, he'll. He's Elmer Fudd. He's a classic. He is. He is. Is undeniably one of the you know major factors when it comes to you know uh, cartoon history. I and mean, there were a couple unreal. different yeah. Elmer Fudds too, like the fat. Dorky one, that's another great one where he's, Westville, we tweet. Westville, we tweet. I'll show you. And he ends up doing 99 years with the, and then he goes, well, at least I'm away from that crazy rabbit and that and that grizzly bear. And then they're both in the same cell. And he goes, uh, oh, yeah? That's what you think. What's up, Doc? Or Bugs Bunny. And then the ra- then the bear also has a carrot, and he's like, yeah. uh, what's up, Doc? And he's, of course, uh, Elmer going nuts. But, yeah, younger generation, if you haven't seen him, if your parents haven't handed that down to you, it didn't get any better than that. A great way to waste time after school, before homework, before the evil stepmother got home. I had to at least take in a little Bugs Bunny. I have to be. I have to admit, I'm very impressed, KT, by yourself and Mark, how you're able to recall a lot of these moments and that, that are that are from. We're talking about 30, 35 years ago, where these were actually on television. You I'm guys are like you guys are bringing them up. Do, do you, I am ultra impressed do, do you, because do you want to hear see when short term memory is absolutely kicking in? I just don't. I don't have the recollection that you guys have to, when it total, comes to totally off the Looney Tunes. Uh-huh. But talking about remembering something. Yeah. If you have if you have heard the Steve Sanchez show, he has a sponsor where he talks about getting a flat tire in the bedroom, right? Okay. And I don't know if you remember this, Ken, but on somehow this popped into my head that on Sesame Street, Kermit was interviewing this music writer who sang Mary was trying to come up with a new way to sing Mary had a little lamb, but then she had a bicycle and the and the bicycle had a flat tire, flat tire, flat. I remembered that, and I sent that to the Sanchez's. Wow, that's horrifying. It's cool. That but is it's absolutely horrifying. pinpoint knowledge right now. That is, I have to admit, is it is admirable, Mark Oak. That yeah, is Sesame Street. The only the you, only guy I related. There were two guys I related to: Oscar <laughs> in the garbage can and the Cookie Monster. Those were the two that I I could relate to. Yeah, that wasn't too bad. That wasn't too bad. Other than that, I, I had I saw some Ernie and the Salesman too, and if you want to if you want to get a good laugh there as well, Ernie and find Ernie and the Salesman. There's one where he's selling him an eight. The obvious reference, but he was actually selling him an eight, the wow. number eight. You're talking about two American classics wow. right there, Sesame Street, and also obviously Mister Rogers' Neighborhood, right? Mr. When you're talking uh, about Mister Rogers and era. Captain yeah. Kangaroo, by the way, yeah. with Mister Green Jeans. But Captain Kangaroo and Mr. Rogers, both highly decorated war veterans. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fact, right. Yeah. In yeah. fact, Mr. Rogers wore the sweater, and everybody would say he was covering up tattoos he had from yeah. being in the Marines. He was a very 
well known. I, I mean, he had a lot of a lot of uh, different uh, honors, and I want, mm-hmm. I don't want to. Say, I, I'm not positive on the Purple Heart, but we'll have to we'll see if we can find out. And also, Captain Kangaroo was another guy that got a lot of honors. I think he was. I, I'm not sure. I think he was Army. And I know Mr. Rogers was a Marine. Well, Captain Kangaroo deserved a medal for taking all those ping pong balls. There you go. <laughs> Mr. Moose was a jerk. <laughs> he really was. What a, man, you know, you're just trying to have a conversation in a guy's house. You're letting a moose live in your house, just hanging around, you know, sitting under a counter somewhere, and he just pops up. Hey, what's going on? And you try to have a nice conversation with him, and you get destroyed by a thousand ping pong balls. There you go. What a, what a prick. Uh, you know what? I guess that's a great description right there. Uh, on, <laughs> as far as, you know, and Christina is a couple years older than Mark. Mark's a couple years older than Chris, and I'm right. older than all of them. Uh, but Christy and I were talking, and I said, you know what, honey? You know, whenever I die, it's like I'm very, very thankful that I lived in the era that I did. And, and look, I, I know my, my dad thought that as far as, with the baseball he grew up with, with the Brooklyn Dodgers and the New York Giants, and and then, of course, playing the New York Yankees. And baseball was so big back then when my dad was growing up. So he enjoyed the era he grew up with. But as far as, you know, TV shows, the cartoons I just talked about, but there were shows like The Munsters, The Addams Family. I mean, mm-hmm. things like Those are just classics. I could go back and watch them. I mean, Larry Ragusa and I will always watch Green Acres on Thursday nights yeah. when I get out of studio here. We got to watch Green Acres, another classic. There were so many great sitcoms and shows. Uh, you could go down the list, but those are some of my faves, and I'm glad that I lived during that era, Chris. This is a great spot, and look, with Mark, myself, and you, KT, we're Generation Xers, right? And so we've had the best of both worlds when it comes to this, when this topic we're talking about, where you know we've, we're, we were, we're here, obviously, now in the new era of media where you have all kinds of access to everything in a moment's notice, which is why the younger generation is not necessarily relating to us when we talk about Saturday morning cartoons because they can watch them whenever they want now at, at a moment's notice on your cell phone, you know. But we're also uh, being a part of this generation. We're appreciative of what it is, uh, how media was back in the 1960s, 1970s, you could, you 1980s. Could, yeah, you could yeah, miss it. It's totally thing. different. Yeah. You could not miss a thing because if you didn't, a lot of the stuff wouldn't come up in reruns either. There wasn't you DVRs, we, right, Mark? We didn't, we didn't yeah. have Blockbuster or anything like that back yeah. then. So, hey, if part six of that segment in the yeah. Sea Monsters epic yeah. is going on, you better have your dial tuned in at 8.30 on Saturday morning with Sid and Marty Croft, or you are out of luck, man. Out of luck. That is good stuff. That emergency and- episode that I wanted to watch back in 1976, <laughs> I had to actually watch that episode, right? I couldn't That's just, right. Or if I wanted to watch, my, uh, you know, my favorite, my favorite actor was Alan Alda back in the day with MASH. Mash that was Mash one of my favorite shows. Yeah. You, you couldn't. There was no DVRs. There was no VCR. Even then, there wasn't. There wasn't any VCRs where you could pop the tape in. And I, I know a lot of youngsters need to probably uh, Google uh, what VHS is. But the point being is that yeah, you had to be on the spot there and actually watching the show to get to watch the show, or else uh, you had to wait for another thirty-five years. And then the old man, he lived for the Sunday night, whatever it was, whether it was Columbo, McLeod, uh, was the one with Susan St. James and Rock Hudson. Uh, I'm trying to, but that was one. Then Dennis Weaver, of of course, was uh, McLeod. And uh, then you had the other, uh, there's another one, but they always had one and you didn't know. But Columbo was one of my dad's faves and my sister, SportsX Michelle, she's got every season of Columbo. And he always had one more, just, just one more thing as he's walking out the door as he's about to 
basically tell you the crime that you just committed. Just like that one, <laughs> wait, wait, just one more thing, you know? And uh, that was classic. I actually met Peter Falk going into a Lakers-Knicks game mm-hmm. in the parking lot, and uh, he was a Knicks fan, and he just happened to be walking in. I was like, oh. Oh my God! It's like you know, there he is, <laughs> and uh, and to circle back, right, Colombo, KT, to Fox. sports as you're just doing right now from a sports aspect, oh, right, guys? We were so blessed. Come on now, we back back then it was great, right? Mark, it was outstanding as far as like the teams that we grew up by. But as far as access from me from a media standpoint, there was you weren't were you, you didn't get a chance to watch every single for me Detroit Tigers game or Red Wings or Pistons or Lions game. Uh, the line, uh, well, the NFL was more so back in the '80s. But the point being is now. Instant access. Everybody can watch every single game of their favorite team because of what we have. There you go. I remember just as we have about 40 seconds to go in hour number one, but grabbing that TV guide, my parents were too cheap to buy the TV guide, so I'd have to go up while we were online bringing all the groceries in and going through sports and specials and just trying to see, God, I love it. You were never so happy that your team was on the freaking road because then you got to watch them on TV. You didn't get those home games like the kids get now. SportsX Radio, hour number one in the books. Ken Thompson, Chris Wynn, Mark Hoke. It is a Fat Tuesday. PSBR Lost Studios, 101.5 on the FM side, 720 on the AM side as we're rocking and rolling. Remember, you miss any part of the show, the archives go up by 11 o'clock pacific time tonight and you can catch them on spotify facebook apple podcasts and uh whatever the other one is we're live from vegas we'll be right back welcome back from halftime it's just after nine o'clock in the big city time to continue america's favorite las vegas sports show sports x radio with ken thompson (laughs) yeah what up party's going on duh Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada style pub with three locations one on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non invasive scan today. For peace of mind, visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. Laborers Union 872, the builders of Allegiant Stadium and the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the Aviators. Promodirect.com. Use K-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. Promodirect.com and by William Hill Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. All right, KT, Chris Wynn, Mark Hoke back. Hour number two. It is a Fat Tuesday, SportsX Radio, PSBR Lost Studios here in Las Vegas, and uh, some great hockey going on. I don't know why the broadcast would show Nashville as far as their logo when the L.A. Kings were scoring to tie things up. They got a shorthanded goal. I believe that game is 3-3 now, and it is with a minute 43 to go in regulation. So if you had the over in that game, you're going to get it because it's six is the number, and that's all you root for when you have a total like that. 
get both teams to three, you know you can't lose. It's going to go into overtime or the shootout. You're going to get that seventh goal. Buffalo did hold on and beat Edmonton 4-2. to two. They double up on the Oilers in Edmonton. Could have got the Sabres plus 195. Calgary does beat Vegas. Uh, Flames went off a minus 160, scored the last three goals in that game to erase a 2-0 deficit after the first period. Islanders, we told you, they knock off San Jose 5-2. Philadelphia, last three goals, beat Tampa Bay on the road. How about, could have got the Flyers. Marco, could have got your Flyers plus 265 tonight. Plus 265 for a C-note. Jersey, a minus 180, beat Anaheim 4-2. Ottawa, a minus 130. They hold off Boston 7-5, and Columbus comes back from a 2-0 deficit and beats Vancouver. That game had both teams minus 105. Again, we'll keep an eye on that L.A. Kings-Nashville game, let you know who wins that one. The only game still going. NBA, 59-52. Lakers are down 7. They were down 11. They're down 7 right now. 11:49 to go third quarter up there at Golden State, and we'll keep an eye on that game. That is... Uh, Trying to remember, they rename it. It's not Oracle anymore because it's in yeah, it's San the Chase Center. In Chase San Center. Francisco. There you go. Yep. Chase Center. And yep. uh, then Celtics one twenty six one seventeen beat the Sixers. And that a final from earlier this evening. NBA that is real now. That is like tonight is the first night. Had two games. Have two more games tomorrow night, and then everybody gets into action after that. So keep an eye there. Major League Baseball. If you missed it, two nothing. The Padres lose at home to Philadelphia. Zach Wheeler a one hitter in seven innings, and they go on to that two nothing win. Solo homers from Harper. And from Schwarber, Schwarber's an upper deck shot at Petco, 488-footer, 2-0. Philadelphia takes a 1-0 lead. Game 2 tomorrow at 1.35 p.m. Pacific time. Meanwhile, the Yankees, they get a three-run jack from Stanton, a solo shot from Judge. They beat Cleveland in the Bronx, win it 5-1. They have to travel today, tonight, and they will be in H-Town. They play Game 1 tomorrow, and I believe that goes at... uh, at 5 o'clock, 4 or 5 o'clock, I'll check on that, and we'll get you the, uh, the the line there. I know Houston was a big favorite, minus, in fact, it's Verlander and Tyone, and it's at 4.37 Pacific time, and uh, Verlander a minus 186 at the beautiful Westgate Superbook, 7 the total shaded to the under, minus 120. Philly with Nola, San Diego with Blake Snell, Snell minus 118, 6.5 the total shaded to the over, minus 120 to make 100, and there is a look at the uh, Richard Badge and Finley Toyota out-of-town scoreboard, 66 59. We update the Warriors Lakers 1026 to go. Now, a crazy weekend in football all the way around. Some really great games. I mean, college football, NFL, some really good games. Now, kind of a dud last night if you watch it, but it's competitive. Went into overtime and the Chargers beat the Broncos. I had the Broncos tied to a four team parlay, and I also had them tied to a five team teaser plus 11 and a half. So the Broncos came in big for me last night. I hedged back a little bit on the Chargers when it went down to four, hoping it would land on four, get my money back there, which it had an opportunity to do when it was 13 to uh, 10 Denver. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the Chargers end up uh, squandering an opportunity. They tie it at 13. Denver goes ahead 16 13. Chargers tie it. And then overtime, the craziness there with the muff punt. Uh, Chargers 4-2 and two now in the division, along with Kansas City. Great game with the Chiefs and Buffalo Bills. I, I shouldn't say, I, I guess when you have a playoff game like you had last year, and Tyreek Hill still a member of those Chiefs last year, one of the greatest games ever of all times in NFL history was that game last year. Now it didn't work out the way I wanted because I wanted the Chiefs to lose, and I wanted the Bills you know, to get that Super Bowl that they've been coveting for years and years. And I just, you know, they're great fans, just a great fan base. So when I don't have a dog in the fight, I'll root for the Buffalo Bills. I have them 
five to one after game one this year. I took the Bills. I said, you know what? This team's going to win the Super Bowl. I just, as long as Josh Allen, everybody stays healthy, I just have a feeling that they're better than everybody else. And I still feel that way, even after beating Kansas City. And the game was close. Uh, but at the end of the day, I just feel like Josh Allen is better than Patrick Mahomes right now, especially without Tyree Kill there. Because to me, Josh Allen, he can run with authority. Patrick Mahomes can escape. Josh Allen can run with conviction. And he'll barrel your butt over, man. You get in his way, he'll barrel you. Now he's also smarter and he understands 17-game season. He's got to be durable. He's got to stay healthy. So he'll slide if need be. But I'd rather have my money on the Buffalo Bills right now, which I'm glad I do. Because now with that win at Arrowhead, Chris, that is huge. Because that is Big time as far as home field advantage. And if everything goes through Buffalo in the winter, good luck anybody going there with that crowd. And Josh Allen, let's remember, where did he play his college ball? Froze his ass off in Laramie, Wyoming, for the love of God. <laughs> so this guy is ready, and he will be prepared. Mark Hoke, your take on Buffalo. Do you have them as the best team in the NFL? I make them three and a half to four points better than anybody else on a neutral field in the NFL. Yes, no question. I, it, it's funny. I was actually watching the uh, highlights show on uh, NFL Network after the Eagles game, and Cursor said the Eagles are the best team in the NFL, and I just kind of, as, as as much as that warms my heart, no. I think the two best teams in the NFL played in that down in Kansas City this last weekend. I really do. Yeah. I think the Eagles are are close, but they can't keep doing this second half stuff. It's ridiculous. The Bills are the best team in the NFL. Picked them to win the Super Bowl, and there is nothing that's changed my mind at this point. What's so compelling, right, KT and Mark, is that when you think of the AFC, the defending AFC champions are the Cincinnati Bengals, and they're almost an afterthought right now in this conference, right? When we talk about teams, whether it's obviously the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs, and in teams, obviously, before the season started, we were talking all kinds of stuff about the AFC West, and rightfully so. But it's it's almost like Cincinnati is just people have just said yeah they've written them off they're done they're not, they're not going to be a team that's going to be a factor and and to KT's point that he brought up just just two minutes ago everybody in football is just like sitting back and just waiting for the Kansas City Buffalo matchup in the playoffs that's basically what's going on here and maybe could there be a, a team that throws a monkey wrench in the situation absolutely there could be but that is such a compelling matchup and what we saw went down. And Ken just referred to it as far as this past week six in the NFL, all these just compelling games that went down essentially a, a, a bunch of games that went down to the final drive this week in the NFL makes it very intriguing, to say the least, when you're looking at the National Football League. I will say this, that Cincinnati, if they did not lose that game late mm-hmm. against Baltimore and they were sitting at 4-2, and two, yeah. I will say one of the most disappointing teams that I've seen outside of the Raiders being one and four, just because I look at the Raiders, they should be no worse than three and two. They could be four and one. They could, you know, potentially be five and oh, but realistically, they should be three and two. They're sitting at one and four. So that's a disappointment because they've been in all their games. They're all one score losses. Hopefully, off the bye, they're able to rebound and get back into the thick of things because I still think they're one of the best six teams in the AFC. But Cincinnati's right there, and Baltimore to me is the most disappointing team. Maybe it's Marcus Brown, uh, Hollywood Brown, who's now injured, but is a member of the Arizona Cardinals. They did sign Deshaun Jackson today to their practice squad oh, because they have geez. yes, they have no deep threats <laughs> at all. I mean, it's Mark Andrews or Lamar Jackson running. 
you know, Dobbins now is there. I mean, they just don't have much. I mean, Mark Andrews is their go-to guy. There's just not much there. Rashad Bateman, the rookie out of uh, Minnesota, is pretty good when he's healthy, but he's been banged up. So I just don't know with uh, Baltimore. I think they're in a lot of trouble. Uh, They struggled. Look, there's a lot of hype with the New York Giants and the New York Jets. I think the Jets are more legitimate only because I think their defense and their offensive line are better. Look, Saquon Barkley makes the Giants legit. Daniel Jones, he can trick you here and there. But there's a reason they're still at 5-1, and one, a three-point underdog at Jacksonville, Chris. Hey, I look at that Jets team, right? And outside of Brees Hall offensively, they don't have a lot of guys that, that excite the heck out of me, right? It is absolutely, KT, to what you just referenced. It's all about this defense, this gangrene defense for the New York Jets for me as far as their success. But uh, make no mistake about it, I think, yeah, if you take a look, if you would have said this two weeks ago, Obviously, very early on in the season, people were not impressed with what the Colts were bringing to the table, even though they're now sitting, what, 3-2-1 and one on the season after, after that uh, essentially a comeback win against the Jaguars on Sunday. I was, I was thinking that the Colts were probably going to be the most disappointing team in the AFC. That's not the case anymore. It probably is Mark Hoke's Baltimore Ravens that are probably the most disappointing, right? Out of that, well, the first, the, those are not my Ravens. Yeah, he's, he likes I'm an Eagles Orioles. fan. What are you, you know, talking he likes about? He immediately go to but, Baltimore. But, right, right. He, he likes the Orioles, but yes. he's an Eagles guy. Okay. But but I, but I just to throw a couple things out, first with Cincinnati, they could easily be 6-0 right now. Easily. And, you know, I really thought that even though I think Buffalo's a better team, I thought because of Cincinnati's schedule, which lightens up, that they could end up with the best record, to be very honest with you. But, you know, that, that disaster in Pittsburgh – you remember that they lost a long snapper and just all that crazy stuff happened to that game. T. Higgins went down, and then the Dallas game they lost in the last seconds. Their the offensive line was in terrible shape, but they've they're fixing it. It's not perfect, but they're fixing it. And in terms of the uh, the Ravens, they shouldn't be worried about their offense. They got to worry about that defense. That defense has given up two seventeen point leads and a ten point lead. There, that that's bad. You, you cannot. I mean, obviously, you can't do that in the NFL and win. So, and then for your Jets, you know, good young team. They're going to build some confidence. I, I still, I'm not sold yet. Yeah, not yet. But you know. And to no. circle back to KT, right. we were talking about regarding the silver and black, right? And the Raiders. You're coming off, uh, you know, that super tight loss to the to the you know in a rivalry game against the Chiefs up at Arrowhead. It is not preposterous, KT, is it for me to say that as far as one in four teams in NFL history, it's like far and away this Raiders team is the best one in four team that you know in existence in modern NFL history. That's how uh, how much we should we should think of this Las Vegas Raiders team, right? Right, but they have to come out, and they have to take care of Houston in demonstrative mm-hmm. fashion. Yeah. You cannot – and I know the Texans come off a bye as well, and I know their defense has been stingy. They have a very young defense, opportunistic, Stingley Jr. there. I mean, they have players, there's no question, that are on the rise. Lovey Smith doing a nice job with a young team. The end of the day, Davis Mills, Derek Carr, it should be a mismatch. Josh Jacobs, look, the youngster uh, running the ball – Therefore, uh, you know, for the Texans, is doing a nice job. Pierce as well. Yes. So they, they've got players. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Raiders have many more players. They have many more skill position players. And the defense, although they lost Hobbs, Hobbs got put on the IR. That hurts big time in the secondary. But I like the way uh, Sam Webb has been playing. And I think the Raiders are going to take care of business. Now, if they don't, they have nobody to blame but themselves. You had a week off to prepare to play 
the Houston Texans. You got to come out. You got to take care of business. Get to two and four. Look, nobody thought they would win four games in a row to end the season last year and finish ten and seven. It's the same thing now. They're one and four. They're left for dead to people that don't know how good this roster is. And again, it's only as good as their one loss record. So right now, even though we know there's a lot of talent there, you're one and four. You found ways to lose games, including the game that I'll never forget on my birthday, the Arizona Cardinal game, which is one of the biggest meltdowns I've ever seen from a team in the second half, just thinking that they had it won. And I could feel when that lead was at 16 that it's a touchdown and two two-point conversions, and I'll never forget rushing two guys on Kyler Murray and just rushing two guys and then letting the guy run 15 yards. Where are those nine guys? They should be all the way across, standing at the two-yard line, just waiting for him. I mean, it's one of the most preposterous things I've ever seen, but I was there and I, of course, had to watch the uh, touchdown in overtime by Murphy run right in front of me there, uh, my seat's there on my birthday. So that really made a nice September 18th uh, memory there for KT. My birthday got ruined that weekend too, McKenzie. So don't feel bad. Well, how can it? Your egos are unbeaten. No, but my, my North Dakota State buys and lost Arizona that weekend. Oh, that's right. And now they come off the loss to South Dakota State. It's not a good we'll season get them. so far. We'll, we'll get them in the playoffs. You know, it's it's funny because every time we beat, South Dakota State beats us, we usually run into the playoffs and then crush them, which is just hilarious. It, it just breaks their hearts, and it's so beautiful. But So I'm not worried. They're sitting number one, the Jackrabbits, by the way, FCS. And I told people to watch that game. Mm-hmm. Mark Hoke said it was going to be tight right there. He said it's going to be a tight game, but he did say this. Said if it's more than three points, don't bet on North Dakota State. So when it went to four, I jumped on it. I took South Dakota State and I made some money. Right. So I was like, I'm listening to the guy that knows Pay me. North Dakota State. Pay me. Team. Pay me. Where's where's my commission? Uh, uh, you know what? Uh, for all for the, the listeners out there, you don't have video. You get, you can see you can see Mark Hoke. He's he's behind the glass right now. He's rubbing his fingers together for, yeah. for KT. Well, all the for money, little, all the money, in, coin. all the money in September I lost on those Orioles that teased me. <laughs> for the love of God! All right. From so. a college standpoint, though, I was a happy camper this weekend because given it's been a terrible season for my Michigan State Spartans, so they got a win at home against a rival there, Wisconsin, which was uh, pretty impressive. So. Yeah, overtime and a game Kinda that went over the total. Yeah. Flies over the total. Wisconsin, mm-hmm. five straight overs now for the Badgers. Uh, but they lose the game. My wife not happy. Uh, and Jim yeah. Leonard, interim coach basis, won mm-hmm. the first game there for Whiskey. And uh, Brad Powers thought for sure Wisconsin's going to take care of business. Yeah. I was impressed. Michigan State played a good game and found a way to get it done. So nice effort there. Meanwhile, USC, Utah. Look, I'm not going <laughs> to whine too much. I did. Yeah, you are. When it, well, listen, when it happened... <laughs> Because if, if listen, if USC, I, again, going into the game mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year, I said I'm going to be all in if USC is unbeaten going to Rice Eccles because yeah. I respect that and I respect Coach Whittingham. But when they lost Keithy, their tight end, I said, ah, they're, they're just shorthanded. Now, Kincaid, the youngster from Faith Lutheran High School, had 234 yards receiving in that game, big-time effort against Southern Cal. But there was a play there when SC was up seven, and it was late in the game. It was in the fourth quarter. And they came in and they nailed Rising, uh, Cameron Rising. They nailed him. And the flag went down. And I was like, all right, what's this flag? Personal foul with intent targeting. And they, of course, look at it. You see the replay. And I tweeted it out. You can go at SportsXRadio, at Ken Thompson 87. You will see it. And it is one of the cleanest hits you will ever see on a quarterback to where the shoulder of the defender, the defensive end coming around, nails rising right there in, say, like the solar plexus area. No helmet ever got jarred, nothing. And that was a third down. 
and they were still in their own territory, they would have probably punted because it was a one-score lead for SC. SC would have got the – instead, Utah went down because of that 15-yard penalty, and they got things tied and kept them tied. Instead, of course, the game, USC then went back in front mm-hmm. and then give Utah credit. They came down, they got the touchdown, and they went for two. I was at Utah-USC a few years ago with Kiara, my daughter, and we watched the same scenario play out where Utah scored with less than 15 seconds to go, and they had run the ball down SC's throat, and I was convinced they were going to go for two, and they were going to run the ball. They did go for two. They were trying to run the ball, but the run was taken away by SC. They then threw the ball, and it was incomplete, and SC beat them by a point. I'll never forget because I was walking out saying, I can't believe that they didn't just run the ball off tackle. Mm -hmm. And this guy wearing a Utah shirt and hat said, I can't believe it either. Happened to be Kyle Whittingham, the coach's brother. And we ended up talking for a while, and it was just great, great football talk. But uh, stuff happens. Uh, Give Utah credit. They found a way to win it, 43-42. And again, Whittingham, I give him credit for going for two with the game on the line. Want to get your thoughts, KT. Obviously, it's a few days removed, and you haven't had a chance to reflect on it. Obviously, we we talked about what happened as far as uh, that unbelievable game between the Chiefs and the Bills in the NFL. How about that matchup at Neyland Stadium in Knoxville between Tennessee and Alabama, my friend? One of the great college football games in recent memory, without question. It's always big news, right? It's always a huge story when a program like the Crimson Tide goes down against one of their rivals in the SEC. All right, so I had Tennessee. I had them plus 7.5. It went up to 8.5 and and 9. I grabbed them at all three. And then in-game, when I saw that they came out and they didn't look sloppy and Hendon Hooker, the stage wasn't too big for them, I played them on the money line inside the game, and I got a plus 240, I think, in-game. And what a great game. And when Alabama came back and took that seven-point lead, I was like, oh, no, now I just got to hold on just to cover. But I'm like, gosh, dang it, Tennessee's going to throw it away, an opportunity for the biggest win in Knoxville in a long time, and they found a way to get it done. And look, we've all watched Saban win over and over again. The guy's great. He's a great coach. He's a great recruiter. Uh, his, his staff, doesn't matter who he has, whether it's Sark as offensive coordinator, Mike Loxley. I mean, whoever he puts there, does it matter? I mean, somebody's always doing well. And this team this year, still with Bryce Young coming back, is so potent. And Young, of course, off the Heisman, but he was banged up. So we didn't know if he was going to go. But on Friday when we're doing the show, and Mark, me and Brad are here, and it's Friday morning, and we see the line go from seven to seven and a half, that let us know Bryce Young, it's out. He's going to play. And then, of course, it went up to mm-hmm. nine and back and settled at seven and a half. Uh, but I was very impressed with Tennessee. They get the win. Uh, they get the goal, co- goal post taken out. And, of yeah. course, they had the GoFundMe page or whatever they needed. to get. Are you kidding me? All the money of merchandise they're going to sell just from that game alone. They could pay for five million goal posts. Uh, but it was a big-time win. And Hendon Hooker, Brad Powers has him. I don't know exactly what he is, but he's got him in excess of 40 to 1. I'll say probably 100 to 1 at least to win the Heisman, and he's the favorite now, Mark. Wouldn't surprise me. I mean, that was a that was a heck of a shootout, terrific game. Uh, you know, I'm just curious now what's going to happen if Alabama ends up winning the SEC championship because you we we always root for that chaos to happen with a bunch of undefeated teams and then you got to try and pick who's you know, how you're going to weed them out. You know, really, honestly, if UCLA gets past this week, they could run the table. And now you've got TCU, you've got Clemson, and somebody's coming out of the Big Ten undefeated, too. Uh, I'll tell you straight up. Look, could last you, year could, UCLA crushed USC, 
But UCLA will have a hard time stopping Caleb Williams and that team. Now, Addison did no, get banged up. So that's going to be a game. It's at UCLA. So I give the Bruins. I, I've made money on the Bruins their last two games against Washington and against Utah. Going to Autzen Stadium, look, and people are looking at all, all they're remembering because it's a big game. They're remembering that Georgia won 49-3 against Oregon. But that game, if you watch that game, that game was there first quarter, late first quarter. Bo Nix twice deep in Georgia territory throws two interceptions. One his fault, one not his fault, a ball that was tipped. And the one that was returned 90 yards or whatever, 90-something, that's a 14-point swing at that game. Look, football's a game of momentum. I'm not saying Georgia would have lost the games in Georgia at the Mercedes-Benz Dome or whatever. Georgia's going to win that game. But it wouldn't have been the massacre score that we remember. I looked at this Oregon team after that, and Bo Nix is playing the best college ball he's ever played in his last four games. If that Bo Nix shows up and the DTR, the young Bishop Gorman kid, Dorian Mm -hmm. Thompson-Robinson, that we've seen the last few weeks shows up, that is going to be one hell of a game at Autzen Stadium. Now, check this out because KT does this stuff, the Friday football (laughs) fiasco. 95% chance of rain for that game. So be careful before you bet over the total or before you fall in love with a side because turnovers are going to be key. There'll be 95% chance of rain there, 95% chance of rain in Corvallis for the Oregon State game as well. And KT, to reflect on what Mark just brought up regarding the Big Ten, right, and and there's a real possibility the team that comes out of the Big Ten is going to be undefeated. I cannot remember as far as, uh, you know, as far as that matchup between the Buckeyes and the Wolverines, given they're able to, you know, and and look, there's a lot of football still to be played, but if those two teams go in undefeated, you're not going to be able to find a bigger game in the last 25 years between Michigan and Ohio State that's going to be as uh, touted, highly touted, and as anticipated as a matchup between those two teams, given the ramifications from you know just a ranking standpoint and also the, pl- the college football playoff standpoint uh, as far as both the Wolverines and the Buckeyes, how much it's going to mean in that football game. Well, and let me, and let me throw this out because you know I, I wasn't necessarily saying that I think UCLA is going to run the table, but let's just say for fun – those four teams in those other conferences are undefeated. But then let's say let's say Ohio State beats Michigan. Well, the only loss Michigan has is to Ohio State, who's going to be number one team in the country. If Alabama ends up winning the SEC, well, their only loss is going to be to Tennessee, who could end up going into that game in the top two or three. Who do you pick for the playoff? Mark, that's Hoke. the fun part. Big Ten Who? fans are going to be up in arms because we probably know, right, Ken Thompson? We probably know what direction that's going to go, and well, it's going to go to Tuscaloosa. The SEC, yeah. the SEC will get an entry. Trust yeah. me, whoever wins the SEC will be in the four team. But playoff. but here's my question: yeah. If you've got four teams sitting out there, you could have an undefeated UCLA, you could have an undefeated Clemson, an undefeated TCU, undefeated say Ohio State. Mm-hmm. You're telling me that I'm even if you, Alabama yep. wins and with has, still has a loss, they're going to jump one of those yes. two teams? And I'll tell you who it's going to be. It would be UCLA that they would jump. If you look at UCLA's non-conference schedule, it's just terrible. It is the lowest, it is the worst for a Power 5 team non-conference schedule of any team yeah. in the last 30 years. But they're undefeated. I don't. I don't care. You played an FCS team for the love of God at home. I uh, and I'm. I am totally too weak. It doesn't take a rocket FBS scientist teams. to take a look at that slate, right, and right. say, "Come on now, like you, you haven't even had to, you know, face that type of competition that these other teams that are vying for that spot had to do." It's very simple, right? So what I mean, you well mean, is what, it? But that that's the question. Is it that simple? 
Is it that simple to say a one-loss Michigan team or a one-loss Alabama team should vault over an undefeated Pac-12 champion? Well, here's the thing. I, and, and, if I'm UCLA, I'm rooting against the Big 12. I'm rooting against TCU. Because, oh, yeah, you want those teams to die right, like dogs. Cle- <laughs> now, Clemson more than likely is going to run the table. We'll find out. I mean, Syracuse is going to go in there. And let's look, people are going to diss Syracuse and go, Syracuse, come on. Let's remember, Syracuse beat Lawrence in Clemson, in Death Valley, right? And they almost beat him a second year in a row. They almost beat him twice in a row. So Syracuse is not intimidated. Dino Babers was the same the same coach. He's still there. He'll have him ready. He's going to show him, hey, look, we went down there and we tattooed Lawrence. We put him out of that game. Put him out of that game in the second quarter and went on to beat him at Death Valley. We need Thomas Viola in here, TV. I'm sure he'd be willing to chime in on this. Well, see, and then you'd have a aspect. like, like, like if, if it was TV coming down was to there. I think he was in, at school then. Yeah, yeah. If if it was come down to Michigan, for example, mm-hmm. you know, would you Michigan out of conference schedule was miserable too, mm-hmm. you know. But if they only take one loss to Ohio State, are they better than you know? Do you look at them and say, are you better than TCU? I I would probably say yeah. I mean, if I was putting those two teams on a neutral field, absolutely, I would be betting on Michigan. This could be a a real mess. Oh, and I want it so bad. They'll be <laughs> they're going to be screaming for that twelve team playoff by the time this season's over. I think. Here, and Mark, real quick, because you're a Penn State backer, and Penn oh. State climbs back from getting shut out, and they take a brief lead, and then they just get pummeled, right? So Michigan really flexed their muscles in the last twenty minutes of that game and, and make it a blowout, forty-one seventeen. But is Penn State kind of like Green Bay, all right? Because I look at Green Bay, and I'm saying the Jets and Giants are flexing their muscles by 5-1 and one and 4-2 and two records, and what is their key win against Green Bay? But I don't think Green Bay is very good. If you watch their games, they, it doesn't matter who they're playing, they look lost. And you can blame it on Devontae Adams going to the Raiders, whatnot. Mm-hmm. I'm not sold that this team is very good on either side of the ball. Yes, you have Aaron Rodgers, but if your offensive line can't protect him and Aaron Jones can't get and Dylan can't get you know holes to get open, that puts too much pressure on the passing game. Look, I like Alan Lazard a lot. I think he's a big-time receiver and, and is going to continue to elevate his game. But Cobb, who, of course, got hurt, mm-hmm. is long in the tooth anyway. And, uh, you know, you've got a, a tight end that's decent in Tunyon. And, uh, you know, but you lost Valdez Scantling, who you took for granted, and he uh, went on to Kansas City and is doing okay things there with Mahomes. But I'm just so I'm not sold on uh, Penn State being Penn State, like from years past, to where Clifford had Dotson or he had Barkley. Hamler or, yeah. you know, no, I'm talking about the receivers and Barkley, oh, yeah. but, but when he's had the receivers that are legitimate, and Penn State's had four or four of them in the last, you know, couple of years that are legit NFL you know, receivers. He doesn't have that guy this year, Mark. Do you realize some of the players that have come out of the Penn State program in the past few years, offense and defense, they've been loaded. Yeah. James Franklin got that contract extension, and I don't know how he did it, to be very honest with you. I think that's problem number one. Franklin, th- this to me is like watching the Eagles under Andy Reid. They always find a way in that big game to blow it. They have done it since Franklin's been there. Yes, he, after O'Brien left and Franklin took over, he took the program to another level. Good for him. But you have that problem. And the other thing is, Sean Clifford is is a gutsy son of a gun. That kid will take a beating. He will die for the Nittany Lions. But they have a freshman quarterback, Drew Allar, who is a five-star recruit, who 
a lot of people right now in Penn State are saying, thanks for coming back for the sixth year, Sean. But, you know, you got a nice little business off to the side with your NIL thing. How about you just back this up and let the kids step in? And I think, honestly, that's one of the big problems. I think Franklin blows it. And I think you, I, I think you need to make a change of quarterback. You, you're, if you don't beat Ohio State at the end of the season, they're done. And, and they'll probably win the West, rest of their games other than that. But I'll just say, but this, you don't that, win the big one, you know. You, and and the, that's what you're there to do. You're not, you can't finish, you know, seventh or eighth in the rankings. You got to get in the top four. Well, the western half of the SEC to me is absolutely loaded, and so the eastern half is not. And I heard Fish say last night, "Well, the, the eastern half is much." No, Florida's down. Tennessee now is stepping into where Florida has been. To be with Georgia, so it's Tennessee, and I'll give and Kentucky is pretty is pretty good. And Stoops is one of the most under Mark Stoops is one of the most underrated coaches in college football, uh, big time. But when you look at the western half of the SEC, it's absolutely loaded. Now a game this week to pay attention to is undefeated Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin going to Baton Rouge to take on LSU, and Brian Kelly's team is pretty good. And if Daniels, the transfer from ASU, plays his A game like he did last week, they will beat Ole Miss. Ole Miss has not had the schedule that LSU has had out of the gate. Alabama, they will host Mississippi State. Now, Rodgers and company, they were exposed last week and they lost. I went against them. Texas A&M is still in that half. Arkansas is in that half. They went up to Provo, fell behind early, and then took care of business against BYU. And Auburn, weak as weak can be, they are dead last out of the seven teams in the West. So, But I'm talking Ole Miss, Alabama, LSU, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, and Arkansas, all in the Western half. That is brutal. That is a gauntlet. Mississippi, for them to be unbeaten going into the Bama game, which they have at home in Oxford, they will have to beat LSU, and then they will have to beat after LSU, Texas A&M. And both those games are on the road. I doubt they win both those games on the road. In fact, I would bet... Anybody that wants to bet me that Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin will not win both games at LSU or at Texas A&M. Those are two of the toughest venues to go to. If you don't believe me, ask Nick Saban, who went to College Station last year. That is brutal. But on the heels of going there after going to Baton Rouge, good luck with that. Hit them up on SportsX Radio. Make your bets. Exactly, right? K- on Twitter. KT and Mark, I got a, I got a feeling this game, is it has, it has a lot of a look to the Kansas. When Kansas was 5-0, and what, last week? They uh, were 5-0, and and then they end up losing their first game this year. I got I, I get the same feeling of this matchup in Baton Rouge between LSU and and uh, Ole Miss. When's the last time, by the way, Ole Miss was 7-0 and to start the season? I mean, that's got, it's, been, it's been years since that's happened, I'm sure. But uh, they're going to have to get big-time games from both Judkins as well as uh, Mingo, and uh, Dart's going to have to be special. Special as well, too, from an offensive standpoint, for them to get the win. Okay, so let me just tell you, seven and zero. Yeah. Before you give Lane Kiffin all these pats on the back, mm-hmm. they have one three point win against Kentucky that was decent, but was without Chris Rodriguez. Did not play in that. Or okay. I'm sorry, Rodriguez got back to that game, and that was a game Kentucky missed a field goal and an extra point early in that game. Twenty two to nineteen was the final. Here's Mississippi's other wins: they beat Troy at home, they beat Central Arkansas without Scottie Pippen at home, they mm-hmm. won at Georgia Tech. That's before Georgia Tech fired Collins, made the move. They beat Tulsa only 35-27 at home, and they beat Vandy 52-28, to and they trailed in that game 20-10, to Vandy. Mm-hmm. Okay, Georgia beat Vandy 55 nothing. That'll kind of show you, you know, that Mississippi, while they may be able to score with a lot of these mediocre teams and outscore them, 
they're going to have trouble when they go to Baton Rouge, when they go to College Station, and then come home for Alabama. Now, the cool thing is if they beat LSU and A&M on the road and make KT a liar, then they have a bye week before they play Bama, go to Arkansas, and home, of course, the Egg Bowl against Mississippi State for them to get unbeaten and go against, whether it be Georgia or Tennessee, one of those two teams should be unbeaten. Georgia's a favorite in all their games. Tennessee is not. Even though Tennessee has the big win against Bama, here's Tennessee. Here's what they've got left. They play Tennessee Martin. No big deal. They'll blow them out. Have a letdown. Probably not cover the 47 or whatever they're going to be laying. They get Kentucky at home. That's going to eliminate one of those two teams right there. Then they go to Georgia. That's going to eliminate one of those teams right there because that head-to-head battle will be key. And so we'll see how it all pans out. But remember, that game counts for two, so to speak. Now, the crazy thing is if Kentucky beats Tennessee, the game's in Knoxville, then all of a sudden Kentucky and Georgia becomes a huge game. So, I mean, there's uh, a lot to be played. Hey, let's not forget going to South Carolina later in the season for Tennessee. Look, Beamer's got a pretty decent squad over there. And uh, South Carolina, just don't overlook them. Still a tough place to play at Williams-Brice. So, uh, SEC football, to me, this year, top to bottom, both east and west, is the best I've seen it. KT, you talked about that Ole Miss schedule. Could there be a, a bigger contrast between the, for the the beginning of the season, right, or that right. slate for the Rebels? As far as the backside, every single game, every single of those five games left for Ole Miss are, are quality or extra extra good quality teams that they're going to face in the rest of the season. No doubt. Yeah. Won't won't shock me if they go 8 and 4. Is that crazy? Yeah, and right now yeah. they sit 7 and 0. Oh. That's mm. how good that western half is. Again, they're at LSU, at A&M, home against Alabama, at Arkansas. All three road games they could lose for sure. And then they close with the Egg Bowl, which is the rivalry game. But I think uh they're good enough to to beat Leach, I'm still not sold on Leach's team. The defense is okay, and the offense was non-existent last week when they got whipped big time by Kentucky, and I had Kentucky in that game. KT, quick scoreboard update in the NBA. That that second game of opening night, Warriors up big now, 91-68 as they roll down the end of the third quarter. And in hockey, L.A. Kings come back, back back-to-back wins in either overtime or in a shootout as the Kings come back and get the victory over the Nashville Predators in a shootout. So uh, Kings fans have to be happy about that. If you were listening to SportsX Radio last night, somebody happened to say that, um, yeah, that six-point spread was absolutely ridiculous and you should bet your bank account on it or something along those lines. Who would that be, KT? I don't was, know. Who, but who was the one that said that last night? Mark, Mark and, and even Fish, Fish concurred. Fish yes. concurred at All six right. that he, he thought the Lakers were the wrong side. Mm-hmm. But Mark liked Philly. Fish almost bet him. He almost took Boston because it was Boston. Yeah, yeah, but they they they, they kind of disagreed on that game. And Mark Mark said, "Look, I'm not gonna let, I'm not gonna play that game. I'm not gonna let my heart get involved. Yeah. But if Philly plays their game, they're good enough to beat Boston. I, and I agreed with that. That game was a toss up to me, but I agree with the guys. And it's 91-71 Warriors after three. Again, laying seven and a half closing number was six last night when the guys gave it out. So if you got it at six, you're up by 14 going into the fourth quarter. We'll keep you abreast because it is the NBA and 20 point leads go down the drain, but not too often for the Golden State Warriors. Everybody makes a run in the NBA. That, that's the 90s rule. And on sometimes that. they can make multiple runs yeah. in a fourth quarter. Mark, real quick, did you say the Lakers would make the playoffs or not make the playoffs? They're, they might get into the play-in, maybe, but they're not good. 
I'm sorry. Which is kind of wild when you look at the roster. You look at the the guys in that starting lineup. Can I tell you who I think is the most overrated player in in, in the NBA? Go ahead. Anthony Davis. Really? Anthony Davis, to me, with the Lakers. First off, the guy's never there. The guy is there, and you can guarantee that he will miss 15 games somewhere along the line Mm -hmm. during the season. So why he's in there and he looks good against Oklahoma City and puts up big numbers, in a game like this, where are you? Where are you against Golden State? They did play well but against you, KT, Embiid last year. You understand the perception, though, of a guy like Anthony Davis. It's about what you, what's expected of him, right? It's about his skill set. The guy's supposed to be, you know, one of the premier power forwards in the game. That's that. So that so there's kind of an there's kind of an idea about him that 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 that, that he hasn't lived up to, and and everything you said is valid regarding the guys essentially uh, walking, heading to the injury list. It seems like every every two or three games. So. Uh, he, he's just he had he has yet to fill his potential. Let's put let's put it that way. And who will follow in his footsteps? Zion Williams. Zion, well, he's a, I, hey, I I I don't know about that. Zion came into camp in unbelievable. He's already hurt. He, in unbelievable shape. So I know he did, I, but he's already hurt. I did not hear that. What yeah. happened? Uh, I was uh, you know what? Go and check. But he was yeah. he was listed as questionable. He hurt something. The other day, and I was just like, don't tell me, because I heard that. He came in chiseled. He looked good. He dropped weight. He's going to be the guy. Another guy. I, if he plays more than 45 games this year, I'll be shocked. Got to say, when thinking about Zion Williamson, cautious optimism is is the approach that right. I take. I mean, yeah. given his body type and the kind of grueling you know, 82-game schedule, obviously Zion's been incredibly productive at both the high school and and college level, we've seen that. But once you start getting the 82-game season, right, where it's a grind, it's going to be interesting to see if he can hold up from a physical standpoint. But yeah, And I think it's unfortunate that someone didn't grab him when after, you know, because he only played the one year at Duke. Right. I would first guarantee that if Coach K would have had him for two or three, he'd have been like, kid, you got to get yourself in shape. And he would have done it. But it stuns me that at the NBA level that a trainer didn't, Take him aside and say, "Look, look at your body type. Look at look at the vulnerabilities the big men like you have over the years. Do you want to blow this to have a few extra cheeseburgers? You know, and and it didn't happen. So to Mark's point, KT, he hasn't had that moment that Charles Barkley had back in the early '80s with Moses and Malone, right in Philadelphia with the Sixers, where Moses essentially sat Charles Barkley down." And called him. I think I can say this on the air. A fat ass, right? You can say that. And and it it was a it was a motivating factor, right, for yeah. Charles Barkley. And we understand. We we saw what Charles was early in his career with the Sixers from a physical standpoint. Things changed a little bit, and obviously his fortunes changed as well too. There hasn't been that moment, right, for Zion Williamson in the NBA. He's been he's been just heralded as the next superstar, and there hasn't been. That voice that Mark talked about, whether it's a trainer, whether it's a family member, whether it's a teammate that has stepped to him and said, look, you need to you need to get yourself in gear and you need to focus more on your body if you're going to have some type of longevity. And, and I guarantee you as, as a former yeah. coach that I would have looked at him and I don't care who he is. I you know, you you've got to be looking out for these guys futures a little bit. I would have had a really long sit down with about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it stuns me that nobody. Did that? I know they haven't had the, the greatest coaching run in New Orleans, and they didn't have a, a veteran there to step up and do that now. But I think he's got to realize that, and I think maybe he did realize that for us to go to the next level, I've got to be there. So we'll see what happens. All right, let me dunk it, duck in real quick. Clemson, we mentioned Clemson. Mark was talking about them. 
Syracuse at home at Notre Dame, but they have a bye before that game, and Notre Dame, you know, banged up and just not looking like a very good team at times. Uh, they will play UNLV at home this week, and if Brumfield doesn't play, I think UNLV will lose by 40. Uh, Louisville, uh, I mean, they lost by, what did they lose by the game you were uh, at they against got, Air Force? They got absolutely, 40 to they, seven? They, the last two weeks, obviously, UNLV has been destroyed. They got absolutely blasted by the other Spartans, San Jose State, up there in the Bay Area physical team. two weeks ago. And, and then, another and then physical team in Air Force. They were thoroughly embarrassed yep. by Air Force. Air Force had, KT and Mark, Air Force had 407 yards on the ground rushing and 18 yards passing and absolutely, utterly dominated this game against UNLV. Now, look, I will say this. I'll give credit where credit is due. Marcus Arroyo stepped up to the plate in the postgame press conference and owned it and said they need to make all kinds of adjustments and they need to, they need to uh, circle the wagons here, use all the adjectives you could use. But make no mistake about it, not going to be an easy task given Notre Dame's coming off a loss where they're expected to win, by the way, against Stanford. A tough loss this past weekend there in South Bend, and now the Rebels head up there for a matchup against uh, the likes of Notre Dame. Yeah, and I like the way Stanford played with some pride, and Brad mm-hmm. even said that, hey, it's still well, somewhat of a rivalry, but they're, you know, Shaw has done a miserable job the last few years. That's a bigger win than most people will give them credit for. 16-14, they held off. Uh, after that, Louisville, Miami of Florida, and South Carolina all at home for Clemson. Look, they're vulnerable in all those games. Malik Cunningham's good enough to beat anybody. Miami, I know they've struggled, but they have potential. And South Carolina, like I said, a much improved South Carolina team getting better as the season goes. But Clemson looking like they could run the table. And the other team, we talked about TCU out of the Big 12. They are unbeaten. They have a very difficult game this week with Kansas State going to Fort Worth. Then they go to West Virginia. Not going to be easy there against JT Daniels in West Virginia. Texas Tech at home. Texas Tech playing good ball. They've gone through three different quarterbacks, but they put up almost 550 yards against Oklahoma State and lost that game a couple weeks ago. Uh, They're off a bye this week. Then they're at Texas. I'll tell you, I'll be shocked if TCU goes unbeaten. I don't think they win at Texas as long as uh, Ewers is healthy and Bijan Robinson, the running back. I think the uh, Longhorns take out TCU. And then if they did win that game, then they got to go to Waco and go to Baylor the following week. So good luck with that. There's no way TCU goes unbeaten. KT, intriguing matchup too, right at Boone Pickens Stadium there as as, as uh, uh, Oklahoma State hosts those Texas Longhorns coming in at 5-2, and two, right? This is a 20th ranked team in the country. And Texas is a short favorite there, right? Uh, they're a six-point favorite in that game. But what also is intriguing, I'm sure KT to you and to, to BP and the rest of uh, college football betters out there, is that total, right, sitting at 62, given these two teams. Yeah, and I'll give you something that I played uh, earlier today. Look, now wind can change at Mm -hmm. any time, but you take a chance sometimes. I have a buddy that uh, is connected very closely there in Stillwater, and he concurred that the wind is supposed to be pretty bad based on the the cold front they had and the warm air that's going to be coming in, and it's a crosswind that goes there across the stadium. Uh, The total in that game is 62.5. I played it under uh, it's down from 64 and a half, so people already were prognosticating. But it's 27 to 28 mile per hour winds that are predicted, and a crosswind means that it's going to be downfield level and it's going to be tough. And I asked this guy that's at all their games. Uh, he said, "Look, it'll affect the road team a lot more." And uh, in this case, you know, we'll keep an eye on it. But that's Texas coming in now. You are a young freshman that throws the ball really well and they got Bajan Robinson an outstanding running back look both teams can run the ball Spencer Sanders uh, a little bit banged up so we'll see how everything goes for Okie State but Texas getting all the money my money went on the under we'll see how it pans out hopefully the weather stays consistent with what the predictions are
And then, yeah, conference also, you mentioned TCU in the matchup, potential matchup next week. It's not potential. They're going to play. But uh, they're taking on Kansas State. The guys from uh, Manhattan coming in at 5-1. and one. TCU a short favorite in that one, too. Yeah, we'll see how it pans out. Okay, so real quick, I only have about four minutes here. to Let's uh, jump over to some lines coming up, and I'll get you and Mark involved. We'll go rapid fire. Let's go. Uh, let's go right, right. By the way, ninety-three seventy-seven. Still nine minutes to go. So you're not out of the woods if you're laying six. Uh, you're only up sixteen on the Warriors. So keep an eye on that game. Uh, let's go jump over to college football. Uh, I'm going to just move to some of the bigger games. TCU minus three and a half, fifty-five and a half against Kansas State in Fort Worth. Chris, I'm going Horn Frogs all day long. Mark, three and a half. Hmm. See, I, I, I think this is a field goal game. Uh, I think Coach Kleiman's going to have him ready to roll on this. Um, you know what? I might, I might go Kansas State. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, K State's going to be the most physical team that TCU has played. Uh, we'll see how this one pans out. I'll stay away because the number's right where I want to take TCU, but that hook mark makes good mm-hmm. sense. I respect K State, and uh, so I'll stay away from that one. Move on down. Uh, let me see. Texas A and M's a three-point favorite at South Carolina. For some reason, I just have a feeling that South Carolina is going to beat. A&M was up for that game against Bama. I don't think they get up for this game like that, and they're going to be surprised. That's a pretty good home field advantage over there, South Carolina. I'll go with the Gamecocks. Chris? I'm going to take a stab at South Carolina in this tilt also. Mark, I, I yeah. will not take a stab at South Carolina. I'll take the A&M all the way. All right. Iowa's at Ohio State in the horseshoe. 28.5 the number here. Boy, that looks like a lot of points to give Iowa until you watch their offense. It's like watching paint dry. I can't take the points. I don't want to lay that many, although if I had to play it, I would take Ohio State because uh, Smith and Jigba is back for this game, and you're going to start to see this guy excel. He was their number one receiver at the end of the year last year, and he has hardly played at all, but he took three weeks off to make sure that ankle was in good shape. I think he's going to be good to go, so I would only take Ohio State. Mark? I wouldn't touch this game, and reason being is that Iowa's defense is amazing. I mean, you, everybody sees the offense. Two. Against Illinois, I mean, who's your yeah, offense? They, they have, they have, the they're one of the top scoring defenses in the country. I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch this. Just me, I wouldn't touch it. It shows Chris. you the distinction though, and the difference between you know the either the mid tier and lower tier, the Big Ten, and the and you're talking about mm-hmm. almost a thirty point favorite against uh, you know a five hundred team in the Hawkeyes. I'm leaning absolutely towards Iowa in this one. I think they do cover the number because I think Petrus or Williams or Laporta just make enough plays where offensively they're able to kind of hang in the game. And by hanging, I mean they lose by less than four touchdowns. Yeah, deceiving yeah. there. We got three minutes to go. Deceiving yeah. score twenty seven fourteen. They lost to Michigan. Mm-hmm. They were down twenty to nothing in that game and. I ended up getting a couple garbage touchdowns, but good enough. And all you want is a garbage touchdown against Ohio State, two of those, and you probably can uh, get enough running from Iowa to where they're able to run the clock down and stay within that big number. But again, I'm I'm not going to touch the game just because I respect respect Smith and Jigba's ability that much to where the way they put up the 45 or whatever they put up on Utah in the Rose Bowl, they could do that against this Iowa team. That one game, though, against Michigan is good enough. And they also lost uh, 9-6 to at Illinois. And it's a decent Illinois team. And Illinois' D is pretty good as well. So there are other games. They did beat South Dakota State, so maybe they got the, uh, the formula there. Uh, call over there to uh, Ference and see if you can get that before the postseason goes for your little bison uh, playing the My little bison? Your little bison. Wow. Oh, yeah. 
just, oh, just a crack stuff. at you right there. <laughs> wow. Not great. Great KT, can stuff. we sneak in that uh, Big Pac-12 game? Yeah, uh, Big Pac-12 yeah. game, uh, UCLA yeah. at Oregon right now. The Ducks minus six, 69 and a half. Dorian Thompson-Robinson has been pretty impressive so far this year, over 1,500 yards passing, as well as uh, his uh, ability on the ground. I think UCLA goes into Eugene and gets that win. You said UCLA minus six? Uh, yes. I take no, Oregon. Plus, oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. UCLA is plus six. No, Oregon minus points. six. I yes. think this is a three point game with the weather. So yeah, I, I yeah. I'm taking You're a taking money UCLA. line. Okay, real quick. Yeah. Uh, Got to get this one in. LSU minus one and a half against Ole Miss. I'm on LSU. Chris, where are you? I'm taking LSU all day long. <sighs> Tough one. Baton Rouge, um, a night game. Yeah, I weekend. know. You yeah, okay, I'll go with LSU, yeah. but it's I, not I, a I night don't game. want to It's a day game. Oh, is it? Okay, so by the way, yeah. doesn't matter still. The still record in the day games, yeah. Brad Powers brought that out, yeah. is much better than their overall record in night games in Baton Rouge. Okay, so it's it's so in this era of LSU football, yeah, I'll I'll, 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 I'll stick with the Tigers. All right, that'll about do it for us on a Fat Tuesday. We're inside the last minute of play. Alabama to rebound in Tuscaloosa, minus twenty one. 61 and a half against I Mississippi State. I say that you absolutely State. rebound, even though Mississippi State is a quality opponent. Yeah, Mark? Got it. All right. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll agree with you guys. As uh, Saban, we'll have two, Bounce co- back. two, Bounce back, two Coca-Colas up there uh, for the press conference. That'll do it for us on a Fat Tuesday tomorrow night. KT Live, Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo. Come on down and see me there. Going to be a great uh, night and, uh, you know, tons of sports. Got baseball playoffs going on. Got NHL, NBA, all this good stuff going on. And, of course, more college football and NFL talk. Till tomorrow, you know the rules. No drinking and driving. No texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. God bless you. Live from Vegas, Sports X Radio, 101.5 on the FM side, 720 on the AM side. Remember, archives go up in about a half hour from now. And we've got Spotify, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, and uh, SoundCloud. I'm Ken Thompson. God bless. Good night, everybody.